Through the lens of loving local and seeing global, we obsessively search for people whose stories need to be told and how OKC played a supporting role. Hosted by Katherine Bexton and Emmy Coves, welcome to Action City. Emmy! Hi, Katherine. Hello. <laughs> it's only three days till spring break for me. Oh, we've had kind of a hell of a week, right? Oh, it's been getting ready to go out of town. I feel like it's taken on a whole new level in the 2010, like from 2015 on, a vacation is a whole new thing. And and I was discussing this earlier with some people. Wait, like just kid-wise? Because you've had kids yeah, well, the whole kid time. Kid-wise, was, that was when you have kids that it is very difficult to go out of town. Whether or not you're taking them or not taking them, right? If you're not yeah, taking them, true. the schedules yes. and the babysitters and all that. Yes, if you yes, are yes. taking them, the stuff you have to bring is so frustrating. Well, and but, you're like... Do I get a night out on vacation? Because it's not really vacation if I'm watching my kids. I read this article once. It was like moms are members of the great vacationless class. (laughs) <laughs> because you go on a vacation, it's never a vacation because uh, all you're doing is all the same things you do at home. Kristen Carson goes, a vacation with kids is called a trip. It's called a trip. <laughs> she's exactly right. Yeah. I can't even. But so, no, here's what I'm talking about. It used to be you'd go to the beach, whatever. You'd pack your swim. You'd like search around in your closet for your swimsuit from last summer. Whatever. Yeah. You'd throw your swimsuits in there and your flip flops and like your cute cover ups. You move on down the road. No, no. Now it involves your nails and a spray tan. And a wax and a hairdo and new outfits. And it's too much for me. Okay. I don't have the bandwidth for this business. Oh, and now, and now you get a 14 year old girl and it involves all those same things. And now the 13 year old has planned out every single outfit that she's going to wear. And when I left here, there were four packages at the front door with clothes for the trip. (laughs) I can't afford this. I can't keep up with this. So I'm very, my peak is going to be that I am going on spring break going to Jamaica. I haven't been there since I was a senior in college. I vowed never to go back, but I'm going to let it go and I'm going to go and I'm sure it's going to be beautiful and fun. So I'm excited about that. But the pit is the getting ready for the trip and the all the stuff that you have to do. I could see that. I could see that. Although I, I mean, planning outfits is fun for me though. Like it's not really stressful. It's more fun. I feel like I'm so tired at the end of the day that it's the yeah. last thing I want to do. I plan my outfit when I'm in the shower right before I get out to put the outfit on, See, which I, is why it goes wrong a lot. That's why, like, I'm so weird. So during quarantine, when, like, everything, the stores were closed, I would try on clothes in my own closet for, like, an hour. I'm not even kidding. Like, some nights when I was really, like, <laughs> frustrated, I would just, like, Jeff would be like, I just saw you and you're just putting on all your dresses or you're trying on your shoes. Just entertaining myself. No, literally, I shop in my own closet all the time. I mean, I guess that's what I do at the store every day. I mean, this morning I had on 15 different outfits. Yes. Yeah. But when I'm at home, I just want to. I get, I I understand what you're saying, but I also like sort of wish I could like. So do you like, like fitting in the nail appointment, fitting in the hair appointment, fitting in the spray tan, fit you like, does that, that doesn't stress you out. That stresses me. No, because it's all fun. Uh, Nails I could go without. I've actually been. I rarely. I call my nails. I've called my nails bald. They've That's been, what mine, mine are. I've never yeah. put nail polish on. I, I, I just don't like sitting like, th- I, I don't know. Maybe my, my stature, I'm too tall for the chair that's provided. It's, it's never comfortable. I mean, getting your toes done is different because you're like in the massage oh chair. Oh my gosh. I had the best massage yeah, chair the other day. That's somewhere. what I mean. I don't know. Nails I can live without, but like, yes, my eyebrows are oh, a situation God. all the time because they're that's two crazy caterpillars me. on my face. 
Um, spray tan I love. Also, I love my spray tan girl. Do you go to the spray tan where you get buck naked and uh-huh. they use the actual? But I go to Charlie Carroll. Hers is, I'll plug her because I. Oh, let's do it. Non-sponsored. Because... She's just wonderful. Best. I, I'm a spray Can tan. Can she see me on Friday between 12 and 12, 15? That's no. the thing. Charlie gets booked. Like, oh, you that's have another to... thing. I can't be, I, I'm not that organized. I mean, you, you could probably, I could probably give you a number. I end up at the Versa spot at the beach. Okay. Because I'm no, never organized. That's what I know. Or, or Caesar's tan. That's, oh. that's the kind of situation I find myself Oh my gosh. In. One time I was at Caesar's Tan and Bob Stoops was there. No, no, I don't, <laughs> I even, I don't high, even know that. When I, was I can't get that school, out of my head now. Why did you say like, that? He came out of the booth and I was like, oh, Bob Stoops. <laughs> oh, hi, Bob. But I also was like, this doesn't make sense. He's all like the, all the way down in Norman. Like, well, he didn't want anyone to see him. Oh, well. He was hiding. Well, he didn't everyone know. knows who he is, though, so what am I saying? I was going to say, he didn't know, like, 15 years later, somebody on a podcast oh, was going to be talking about it. Wait, okay, wait. So who's the person you go to? What's her name? Charlie? Uh, Charlie Carroll. And her her Instagram is self-care by CC. Um, okay. And she's on Brookline, which is, like, you know what? Home Depot off of May. Oh, yeah. It's, like, those buildings back there. She's in there. Okay. And she actually does really good facials. She's great. She's uh, and she I feel like, like Jennifer Bentley used to have a space back there. Yes, yeah, she did. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's yeah. right back. Okay. Yeah, it's back there. Um, and I don't know. I love Charlie. She's great. She's like so positive and cool and like non-judgmental. And she's never once, I mean, she's seen me through both pregnancies, postpartum. Like, I actually got a spray tan from her. I was six weeks postpartum with Campbell because it was for boots and ball gowns. Oh gosh. And I mean, I'm like, I was like not healed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like breastfeeding and whatever. And she, no judgment. Like I, she would be like on the you list. You would not, you, if you wanted to have that job, you could have, you'd and have Ka- to Catherine, you know, judgment. I'm like not a free spirit with my body. You like, don't get naked like I do at Greta. No, at Greta, whenever you, I'm like trying something on, I'm like <laughs> I'm telling you it. to get out of this fitting room. Like, like Catherine, I'm in my underwear, get out of here. And then you like the oh other day God. had on that sheer bra. Ah. I was like, I can see your like nipples. <laughs> okay. When you grow up and you're a swimmer your whole life. I know. You're basically taking a shower with like, you know, I know but everybody, I, you don't I, even I'm think about it anymore. As an example yes. as to how modest I am. Like even when like on this episode, we talked to our guest Emma about sororities, like some girls, like we nobody was naked in the sorority house, but some girls didn't care if they were just like hanging out in their towel. Like I was always You were always things. dressed. Yes. Okay. Yeah, for sure. God. But <laughs> <laughs> that took a tangent. But Charlie's uh, great. You Charlie's should, good. Okay. Yeah, so. she's really good. I think, I mean, as far as spray tans go, this is this is the my pitch when people are like, should I go see Charlie? I got a facial one time and my facialist said that my spray tan was the best spray tan she had ever seen. Really? Mm-hmm. Because she was like, where my neck, you know, where your neck meets yes. your face. Like usually she worked on that. She didn't just give it a shh. No, it was like beautifully contoured. And that's another thing too. She'll give you a face contour. She'll do like a little extra on your, like where Will she lift up the like no. pouches around my face. But she does lips. do no. like body contouring. I obviously don't. I don't show off my body, but if you wanted a if little a little ab drawn on, I'm sure she <laughs> would do it. But it looks real. She showed me like a picture of this woman that she did body contouring and it looked like she had lost 10 pounds. It was wild. Oh, maybe I need to get over there. No, it was. Pr- and then this other girl who actually kind of had like your body type or is more athletic. She like gave her curves. It was wild. She's done. She's really good. So she sounds more like an artist. She is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But- 
Yeah. So. Okay. Well, so your kids aren't old enough for spring break yet. So you don't really have that. No. And I remember those days when I was like, God, I can't wait till we get to spring break. So what, what's happening? What's your pit? What's going to be your peak? What's the. I don't. Well, so we were going to go skiing, but then after the ice storms and stuff, like we were maybe thinking about like taking kind of a spontaneous ski trip. And I was like, I don't want to see snow for like Mm -mm. a year. I'm good. Yeah. I'm done. Get below 50. No. So. I don't know. I mean, we don't really have a ton going on. We're still cleansing. Oh, yes. Um, How's it going? It's good. I've lost like seven pounds, <gasps> which, gosh. okay, I like to say this, though, because I, I said this to a friend the other day, and she's like, is that healthy to lose that much weight that quickly, blah, blah, blah. And like, here's the thing. The cleanse for me, because I know there's this like, you know, people are like, you shouldn't diet. You shouldn't, this diet culture, cleansing is a diet. My cleanse is in order to figure out what's causing me to gain weight because I'm gaining weight with the foods I was eating. So we're just like going back to basics for like three weeks. And then we're going to add on foods to figure out what is working for my system. And I know some people will maybe still think that's a diet. That's fine. It's just, I'm obviously having a re like an inflammation problem with something I'm eating. Yeah. And you got to do what works for you. Yeah. And so we're just trying to figure it out. So before people are like, Oh, a cleanse, like you'll gain it all back, whatever. Like, that's fine. I just want to figure out like if almonds or walnuts or I don't whatever know. Almonds is. is like half my diet. If I was allergic that's what to I'm almonds, saying. I'd be in yeah. Or if that was causing me inflammation. Well, that's what I'm I'd saying. Like we're just trying to figure out the thing that I'm eating that's causing me to gain weight or if it's not a thing I'm eating, what it is. So we're just, okay. you know. So you're a little bit, sorry. A week and a half in now? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. A week and a half to go. Yeah. You can do it. I think, honestly, the cleanse isn't bad. The only bad part is like, the, the four o'clock when you're dying for a cracker. That's my problem. No, honestly, the eating part hasn't been bad. It's more of like, I feel like socially we're not oh, doing yeah, things, you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh wait, this is probably how a sober person feels sometimes. Mm-hmm. Although I was pregnant when I was pregnant, I was sober and I still was being more social. So that would well, be my I pit. Think is that it's that a like, little harder to go to dinner if somebody had a dinner party. It'd be, you know, it's just a yeah. little harder to kind of manage, to navigate yeah. those things. So I guess that would be my pit about the cleanse is like, I'm not, I need to still have fun and I haven't done a Figured good job. that about out, it. how to do all, yeah. You know? So, but the peak is I really feel good. Obviously I'm super energetic at yeah. 7.56 when I'm normally in bed. <laughs> That's at night, people. I know it's at night. I know you are. Um, you do go to bed early. Well, I like to get in bed and like I, once the kids go down, like I'm tired. Are you watching the show? I told you to watch it. No, I switched Offspring. to the Crown. How, After the Meghan Markle interview, how can you not watch the Crown? Well, I've watched like half of it. That's what I'm saying. I feel I, like I never. Started- a lot. I had to. I'm gonna. I had to take a break. I'll go back to the Crown. But I'm telling you, Offspring. Why you? I don't understand why. Well, I've already can't. started the Crown, so I'm okay. Mad. When you're done with the Crown know, in like six weeks, you can get back to Offspring. The crown By the way, is if really you're listening good. and you're not watching Offspring, I'm really disappointed in you. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix, it's an Australian show. It's okay. The first episode is a doozy, though. Just okay, the first episode goes for two hours. And not, not in all the, of them goes okay, for two hours. Okay, not in the Bridgerton doozy that people are like, oh, I can't get through the first episode. No, no, this is a two-hour first episode. It's yes. basically a movie to buckle To start up. out. To yes. start out with. <laughs> But it's totally worth it. It's, I mean, I haven't made it through the movie yet, so <sighs> I'm going to come up. I'll start it. over and we'll watch it together. Oh my gosh. We're just. So what's the peak? My peak? Yeah. Um, Feeling energetic from the cleanse? Probably. Feeling good. Yeah. I mean, like my clothes are fitting better. Like that's always a fun, you know, my skin is 
clearing up finally. I had like all this stuff kind of come to the surface and now it's like sort of, I don't know, I guess, yeah, those would be my peaks. Like I just feel better, which is. That's all we can really ask for. Yeah. And which is also indicative of like, there's a reason why I needed the cleanse. My body needed it. I don't know. I went to cycle bar today and that was How fun. Was that? It was good. I've started going just once a week just to add a, like a different cardio in. Um, and I'm enjoying it. I really do. I love to go to cycle bar. I, I, I sort of stopped going at the pandemic. I need to go back now, but I did do my Peloton this morning and I thought I was going to keel over. Yeah. I mean, Jamie's still my number one, obviously. Yeah. Out of but you got to, I mean, I think I had a friend the other day send me a message and they, she said, I, you know, I hate working out, but I've got to start doing something. What am I going to do? And I, for me, it's variety. Yeah. I can't do the same thing. I think it's the same thing with food. I cannot eat the same thing over and over and over again. I have to do the same thing with exercise. It's a little bit of cardio, a little bit of weights, a little bit of yeah. Pilates. I mean, I just like to do all different kinds of things so you don't get bored with it. I agree. But I do love Jamie's because it's like the studio. There's It's a small group class. There are four, wait, five max. And so you really do, it feels like a personal trainer, yes. which is like amazing. That is nice. I did have like a kerfuffle at Cycle Bar. I like didn't know how to turn my screen on. So what happened? And so the sweet person behind me got off their bike and turned mine on for me. Because they realized that you were in the middle of the class and didn't have your no, screen on? No, I wasn't. On. It was at the beginning. Oh, she was gotcha. like, okay. she's like, put, you know, put, put on a gear, blah, blah, blah. And I was like. I was like, wait, we're all going so fast. And I, I was like pushing do. the bottom, the buttons on the bottom, but it was a button on the top. Oh, right. So, <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Well, you're inspiring me. I need to get back to Cycle Bar and I need to get back to Orange Theory, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Oh my God. My voice just. <laughs> oh, wait. I wish you guys could see. Okay. Wait. Usually I see Emmy at the beginning of the day. Okay. I think I got it. But back. now I'm seeing her at the end of the day. So at the beginning of the day, she has this. I don't know if I've really given you a full visual. I'm going to put a picture of it on Instagram. <laughs> a bottle of water. It's called the Life Bottle. I bet it has two gallons of water in it. No, okay. it has a gallon. Okay. It's humongous. Okay. But for water, you should drink. Half your body weight in ounces. I so know you're right. I know that's only you know, like I've, four ounces I've, for you, Catherine. No, I, I've had about 16 ounces of water today. Oh, I haven't. I, no, I take that back. I've only had eight because I haven't finished this. Oh, my God. But you guys, Emmy's like at the bottom of the water bottle. There's only like an inch of water left in the bottom of this bottle. Well, I'm really impressed. Yeah, 7 you're doing such a, 7 p.m. She's following the time. Golly. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Honestly, mm. the drinking a gallon of water a day has changed my health in like, I don't know if in a lot of ways, but I have yet to be hungover. What? Were you drinking the water before the cleanse? Yeah, yeah. I've been doing this. Since so what you're saying is if I drink that much water, well, I don't really drink that much. I'm saying I'm, that there were the times day. before the gallon of, bo- a gallon of water a day where I would have like two glasses of wine and I could feel it the next day. You know what I'm yes. saying? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's why I, I had to stop really drinking that much. Um. This, this is the solution. Now- it's a slippery okay. slope. I'm not saying you can have a full <laughs> bottle and not feel it. Not feel it. But I was like, you know, it was weird when you have one or two glasses and you're like, why the next morning am I like sluggish and I can feel a little hungover? This has solved that. Okay. So if I could drink like a quarter of that, I'm going to go for that. Why? Like just you can buy a smaller size of this. I just have the bigger one because I'm okay. a bigger girl and I need the more ounces. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> That's how it goes. Oh my God, I'm dying. Okay, you guys. So we are so excited about this guest. Yeah, I I like... This was Emmy's introduction. And we're really, we love, 
We love our conversation with her and we're so happy. It was so, so good. It's such a feel good story. It is. And I think it's an issue that we didn't know was an issue. Right. Which that's what this is all about. And we hope that you guys, after you hear her episode, you will go and check her out on Instagram or on her website and hopefully get to donate and help her cause. So Emma Butler, a native of central Oklahoma, is the founder of the Hair Initiative and a legal assistant at the Funk Companies. She is a graduate of Oklahoma State University and a member of Loyal Class of 14. The Hair Initiative is a comprehensive, diversity-conscious hair resource for youth and their caregivers. Since becoming a court-appointed special advocate in 2014, Emma has been an advocate for foster children and has found her passion for volunteering with various local organizations and their committees in the metro area, including Boys and Girls Club of Oklahoma County, YWCA, the Post-Adjudication Review Board, City Rescue Mission, and Girl Scouts of Western Oklahoma. Emma, welcome to Action City. Catherine, I feel like one of the things we definitely have in common is that if we can't do something perfectly ourselves, then we find somebody who can. And I think one of the biggest parts of working smarter, not harder, is finding amazing people who can help you. You know, I also love supporting a local business and LifeScar combines all of those for me. I've known the owner, Valerie, for years, and she really has created a one-stop shop for OKC when it comes to getting assistance. LifeSquire offers a range of services from personal assistance, grocery shopping and organizing, to recruiting and hiring for your business. But what I really love is that if you they don't already have an expert for you, they will find one. It also is so convenient that they have their own app for booking and scheduling. But also say you forget your kid's lunch at school. They have an SOS function for emergency situations. And one click of the SOS button will solve your problem immediately. They work within your budget and needs and offer hourly packages. So if you only need somebody two hours a week or 20 hours a week, it doesn't matter. They have you covered. Um. For small business owners, if you want are wanting to hire an executive assistant, life oh my gosh. For small business owners, if you're wanting to hire an executive assistant, LifeScar will vet, recruit, and train that person for you. I think if you're wanting to free up some time in your schedule and support an amazing local business, hiring LifeScar is the best thing you can do. If you want to get more information, go to their website. It's lifesquire.com. That's L-I-F-E. S-Q-U-I-R-E.com. Um, also, have I mentioned that they were written in the Wall Street Journal and Forbes? Kind of a big deal. I think if you want to stress a little less and get an extra pair of hands, they are the way to go. You can also call them at 405-889-4430 or email them info at LifeSquire.com. Anyway, I don't have enough great things to say about Valerie and the whole team at LifeSquire please give them a call. Thank you so much for being a sponsor. Now back to the podcast. Welcome, Emma. We're so excited to have you on Action City. I'm happy to see you again. (laughs) We'll give a little disclaimer. Amy and I had a scheduling problem. So this is Emma has come back twice now to the studio to the studio (laughs) so that we can have this interview. And we so appreciate your being so flexible. 
with course. our crazy lives. I'm really <laughs> excited to be on to have this opportunity. So thank you guys for having me. I know. I was so excited that you came on. Um, just like also, so I've known Emma for, I don't know, after we graduated college. She's one of my best friends, Sarah, who I've talked about, the competitive one, <laughs> one of our <laughs> really good friends from, from college. So I've known Emma for quite a bit. And it's been really fun to see you take this nonprofit and just turn it into something really amazing. So thank you. It's been a really fun and interesting journey. And I'm really excited to share that with you guys today. Yeah. Well, so we always start at the beginning and kind of talk through. So you did you were you born in Edmond or not born in Edmond, but yeah, so I was born in Oklahoma City. We went to Oakdale growing up. So that's kind oh, of on the okay. outskirts. So um, Oklahoma City and then um, went there kindergarten through eighth grade and then went to Edmond Memorial High School. And then our my parents actually live in Arcadia. Um, wow. They moved whenever we were in high school. So I've never actually lived in Edmond, but I consider myself in Edmond. I guess is Arcadia its own city? I mean, is it is it the address Arcadia? I guess Arcadia, Oklahoma, It's actually right? kind of confusing. So um, there is an Arcadia address, but I guess the zip code is Edmond. Okay. But then... But oh, Arcadia yeah. goes to Edmond yeah. Public Schools. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, they don't have their own school there. Did you guys live so. on the lake? I mean, I don't even know how it all no, works. No, my uh, my parents own a bunch of land. They own 20 acres out there. So they kind of built their own beautiful oasis. My husband oasis. Love that. He is yeah. dying to get out somewhere where there's a little pond where he can do some fishing. See, I grew up I'm at Lake Aluma and that was like... Oh, that's what he would yeah. do that. He would do Arcadia if I would give the go-ahead. Arcadia is pretty. It's really pretty. And they have, I mean, they have a pool out there, a greenhouse, a pond. <gasps> they have a full garden. So they oh are really... Ever, if they ever yeah. want to sell, let me know. Would you really? Yeah, I was going to say, would you go to? Jim would love it. I mean, and you guys were probably, that was probably early, right? Not that many people Uh, lived there then? Yeah, no. And so now it's kind of weird to see like every Sunday we have Sunday dinner. And so we we do too. Oh my gosh. We don't have it every Sunday, but we have it. Well, at least once a week. Well, your kids aren't grown. You're with your kids all the time. When they oh, grow up, they'll, if they're yes. living in Oklahoma City. So you go out every Sunday. Sunday. Every Sunday. And so it's kind of been weird to see all the growth like every right. year from when I was a sophomore in high school until now. But it's really cool to see how everything's kind of moving that way. Really it pretty. should. I always was confused as to why Oklahoma City was so like north-south oriented and why it wasn't going east. Like... You know, well, now yeah, we're now like chicken pickle now, and all that stuff is. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I just was so confused why it's so adjacent. But it's probably because of I-35. Well, yeah, but like there's so and much land over there. I know. Like, it's crazy. Well, anyway, we're digress. But well, now, okay, so you said that there's a garden out there. Of course, you know, I have to take it back to food at all times. Yes. What does your mom grow in this garden? Lots of things. Tomatoes. She makes really good salsa. And so they grow tomatoes. um, I think they've done asparagus, peppers, squash, um, zucchini. My dad has a feud going on with the raccoons because he's trying to grow watermelon and cantaloupe and they keep stealing them. Oh, and throwing them over the fence. Fe- he has a fence. He tried to make it electric. No, <laughs> he, no. One time he sat out there in the dark <laughs> with, with some night goggles. Yeah. So, but a dark gun. No. <laughs> yeah. A, probably a lethal weapon, gun, but <laughs> I think it was an actual gun. Well, I don't know. Yeah. We live in Oklahoma. It's yeah, it's Oklahoma. <laughs> so, but they would just go in there and just steal it and just throw they the watermelons. They like the thing over the fence? Yes, they wouldn't even eat it. So it was like really disrespectful, honestly. <laughs> God, Those raccoons yeah. are so yeah. disrespectful. <laughs> so, they, yeah, they grow a bunch of stuff out there. They're they're living their best life. It's, it's great to see them. I'm so happy out there. And yeah. then, so after Memorial, you went to OSU? Yes, I went to Oklahoma State University. Both my parents actually graduated from 
there. That's where they met. Um, and they've been married for over 30 years now. And you have Gosh. a similar story to Nikeo, who we had on the podcast yes. that you're black and you were a Kappa. Yes. But you were, wait, you were not the first, but right. it, it had been a, like 20 years since. The- I think so. We would go back and look at the older composites um, on the upper floors. Um, but there wasn't one in recent years that we saw. And there um, were three. There were three. So yeah. myself, Nikki, and Essence. And so I think during Rush, um, you know, when you go through Rush, you realize like you're one of few or very little. Um, and so whenever we would walk by, like I would take note, like, okay, there's another girl that looks like me or there's another girl. And so it was interesting that we all ended up at the same house. So um but again, uh, like your former guest said, like you're just doing what, you know, you saw right other girls you. at yeah. your school doing. And my cousins, they all rushed at OU. And so this was very much something that I grew up wanting to do and expecting to do when I went to college. I didn't think about everything else or what other people, I guess, would think of that on the outside. I just yeah. knew I was doing what um, what I wanted to do, I guess. No, I think well, that good. makes so much sense. And I made so many great friends along the way. Like you said, learned so many different um like leadership skills and how to get along with a good big group of people Mm -hmm. i think those are very important life skills that i learned how to remember people's names exactly i'm really bad at that and i so wish i would have had to remember a hundred people in my pledge classes names and then recite it back that would have been good training yeah life we actually did have to do that did you guys have to do that that? it Um, wasn't like a bad hazing way it was like a it was like like a a way to be Mm -hmm. yeah 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 it was on our pledge retreat which I don't know. Are you? I guess you're not a pledge anymore. I don't know. Yeah, we did. We actually had it at Sarah's house. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Of course. <laughs> yes. That's so funny. Okay, so what did you major in in college? So I was a political science major. Oh, how did you so, decide you wanted to do that? Well, actually, funny story. I was a business major, and um, I had to take a lot of math classes for that. Yes. Not my forte. Uh, so I, econ, it's horrible. Yes. My dad's <laughs> like, you have four years to get this education done, um, and you need to decide when, like, what is you're going to do with that time? So um, I had taken a lot of political science classes because I really liked a couple of the professors they had. And so like when I had to think about <laughs> what's the next thing I'm going to do, I had enough credits that I could graduate within four or four and a half years. Um, and yeah, so I chose that. And so it, and it would have been, I mean, I guess it would have been sort of helpful for the career you thought you wanted. Yes. What did you do? What I happened right after thought college? that I wanted to go to law school. I had this in my mind. Um, but whenever I graduated school, I didn't really know. I wasn't very sure. And so my mom suggested that I go work for a law firm and see what that life would be like prior to taking that all on. And so I'm glad that she did that. So that made me realize that it might not be the career path for me. Um, but I uh, definitely got to get my feet wet in the legal field, um, working in aircraft transactions. And so that <laughs> was a really crazy and something I... I didn't really think about existing before. Yeah, I know talking to you. Yeah, it's that so was, that was a mind blowing. I know that was mind blowing. I didn't even. But know, it makes sense. Yeah, I didn't know that. I guess when I thought about law school, I hadn't probably thought very seriously about it because I didn't realize that there were all these sort of like niche areas that you could specialize in. You think so. you know a lawyer, so you yeah. just call the lawyer on the phone. You're like, give me the answer to this question. But they do. They specialize like doctors. I mean, exactly. It becomes that specialized. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. So once um, I was done with that about, I think, four or five years, then I went to another law firm that specializes in intellectual property. And so that was really unique, uh, patents, copyrights, and trademarks. And so that was, again, another really niche area of law. And I got to meet a lot of really cool people that help creatives kind of bring their ideas to fruition. 
I love that. That's a, it's a cool law firm. So. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Uh, Dunlop Cotting. Yeah. Yes, Dunlop Cotting. Yeah. Cool building, cool there. vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Really well, so people. how did the idea for the hair initiative start? Like, what was this process like? How did you figure out that there is this need? So back um, in 2014, I became a court-appointed special advocate. Oh, CASA. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. And so... um I was one of two um, black people in my class. And um, of that, I was the youngest of, I think it was like 10 or 11 people that I ended up graduating with. So tell us really quickly what CASA is, just in case if someone's listening, uh, they don't know what it is. Yes. So they're court appointed special advocates. So they advocate in the best interests of children that are in foster care. Um, So every month or every three months about you... um, put together a court report for the judge. You go visit all the parties involved. And when the judge asks for your recommendation at the hearing, you can say, you know, this is what I think is in the best interest for the child. Because everybody in the courtroom, you know, kind of has their own interests depending on who they're representing. And so you just really want to make sure that the child's not forgotten. This is a really big commitment. I mean, I know that there's some pretty intensive training that you have to go through. It takes a lot of time. How did you decide you wanted to take this on? I mean, so great question. My sister actually was still in college and she was like a child and family services major. And I was really looking for kind of what my path in life was at this point. I think I was 24. All my friends are getting married or entering that next stage. And I kind of felt left out and um, I was kind of down and my sister, I was trying to find a place to volunteer. And my sister was like, this place just did a presentation. I think you should call them. So I looked them up and I sent an email and they called me like within the next couple hours, like, Hey, like, here's the information, you know, let's get you started. So before I even really knew what I was getting myself into, I'd already (laughs) kind of was going to be so intense. Yes. Um, And so I kind of, um, just briefly heard sort of what their mission was. And I thought this would be neat. I had no idea to the extent of which I'd be advocating for these children. Um, and so we do 40 hours of training. And so we'd go in Mondays and Wednesdays and do our training. And as you're learning all these things, you're realizing um, what children in care are facing. And I think at that age, I had really surface level problems quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And then I'm hearing about the plight of these children. And I'm like, wow. And a lot of their parents were probably your age. I mean, it was probably a lot of young Mm -hmm. parents. And I actually, the um, case before the one that sort of prompted me to start the hair initiative, that was a really young mom. And here I was only a couple years older than her, sitting down with her, not being able to really relate Mm -hmm. to the issues that she was facing. It put a lot of things in perspective. A lot of stereotypes I had in my head about the foster care system, caseworkers, parents in this position were completely just turned upside down. I, I I believe that. I believe there must be, yeah, I I can totally see how your perspective when you're sitting down with a mom who's like fighting to get her child back or mm-hmm. whatever, like I cannot imagine the empathy you would have for that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I'm sure there are like labels put on her. Exactly. And whenever you get to really talk to this person and hear about their life and they share their stuff with you, you really start to understand people more and how um, their situations that they're born into affect a lot of what happens. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I completely believe it's probably systematic to yeah. some some extent. Was it hard to stop thinking about it when you went home at night? It was. I'm part of a very large family. 
my mom's the middle of a lot of children. My dad's the youngest of 13 children. Oh my God. I have 26, 28 first cousins. How many siblings do you have? I only have three. I only have two siblings, okay, an older so brother okay. and a younger sister, but we have a very big extended family. If I were ever put in the situation that a lot of these parents are put in, I could easily call 50 adults mm-hmm. and they would be able to take my child for me. Right. And so realizing through the course of the training, how many kids don't have that yeah. I did kind of feel guilty yeah. that I have all of these loving adults, you know, that are able to care for these children. It put that in perspective for me as well to just kind of feel grateful and like how lucky I am. Mm-hmm. So I think this organization came into my life at a really important part of my life. Um, that kind of, again, made me feel more grateful and just, instead of, you know, thinking, well, you know, I'm sad I'm not in this next stage of life. It was more like be grateful for what you have right yeah. now. And so... So yeah, so I got sworn in and started my journey as a CASA. And this doesn't really apply to my first case, um, but all my other cases I had, I think I've had about six, um, involved black children put in white foster homes. And so uh, one of the first things the mom or the caregiver would ask me is, hey, what do you do with your hair? And I didn't really know. I grew up in a biracial household. My mom's white, my dad's black. And so growing up, I mean, I just kind of figured it out myself. Um, My mom jokes and says, you know, you guys lose more hair in the shower than I have on my (laughs) head. So there's no way I can help you guys do your hair. Um, One time my sister, she has very beautiful, thick, curly hair. And my parents were spending hours combing through it. And they finally took her to a, a salon on the east side. And they were like, just detangle her hair. And so they ended up doing it and straightening it. And it was like super, super long because her shrinkage is so intense. Um, But we just kind of figured it out, you know, but I didn't think it was that big of a problem because I knew that these kids had a great roof over their head, caring foster parents. Um, That was other stereotype. I thought foster homes were really bad places. Um, I was lucky. There is that stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that applies to all children, but a majority of the cases I had had very I'm loving foster homes. Yes. That makes um, me happy. So whenever the moms would ask me, and the children were quite young, like two or younger, um, I didn't really have an answer for them. I was just like, maybe try this, or you know, I'm I'm not really sure. Um, but in January 2018, I was assigned a case involving a sibling group of three, and they were half siblings, and so the older girl, both her parents were African-American. And so her hair texture was really curly, um, just really heavily textured. And her siblings, they um, were mixed with another um, race. And so I'm not sure um, what it was, but they uh, had, you know, quote unquote, more, I don't want to say manageable hair, but they just had more thin hair. Mm-hmm. And so the the caregiver was able to do their hair easily. So I'm assigned to this case and the first thing they do, I'm being transferred the case from a CASA that had to step off and um, they show me a picture of her and her hair was sticking up and they said it had been a couple weeks and by the looks of like the grow out, I was just like, it's probably been longer. Um, And so I said, well, where are they sending her to get her hair done? Because that had been brought up in conversation and I said, you know, maybe I could help facilitate that as part of my monthly visit with her. And someone in the room said, probably just a black DHS worker. And I couldn't believe that in 2018, that was the answer to a problem that at the surface level seemed pretty simple to fix, like find a kid a stylist. Yeah. But 
as I dove further into it, I realized the answer wasn't that simple. Um, so as soon as I left that meeting, I called my mom. I was like on my way back to work and I was telling her and she was like, well, maybe you should do something about that. And so I called a friend that might know a stylist and it just kind of started from there. Um, I started asking questions and sending emails to various caseworkers, uh, supervisors. Anytime I had a meeting with these kids that involved uh, somebody in that field, I was asking them questions like, is this a problem? Every time I was met with a resounding, yes, this is a problem and we needed a solution yesterday. So if you find anything, let me know. And I had a meeting with a a DHS supervisor happened to be at this meeting I was at. And she said, well, we're also uh, giving them products and tools. Like they had a drawer, I guess, of brushes and some basic products to help get the kids to their next placement. Oh, And I was like, wow. So not only is the um, physical, I don't want to say burden, but the physical expectation of them doing a child's hair, just because they also happen to be black, fall on black caseworkers, but also financially, is falling on caseworkers regardless of color. DHS isn't paying for it. Right. And, and it's not provided in the foster care payment system, I'm assuming. It's not. And I'm sure it's expensive. It is. And that, like, as this journey has gone on, that's what we realized, um, that one of the many barriers to getting this issue uh, met at, like, a normal expectation is finances. Um and accessibility. So during this time, I was also on the post adjudication review board, which is sort of similar to CASA, wherein you like get cases assigned to you. You'd have multiple at a time. You review them and every month you meet and you make a recommendation to the court based on what's in there. Um, it's a citizen board. So any citizen, I believe, can apply for it. And is it for children? It is for so, children. Okay. Yeah. So children that are adjudicated. Okay. Um, and Wait, so, what does that mean? Sorry. I'm like, <laughs> uh, so they're like foster children or children that are taken from their parents. Gotcha. Um, so they're basically, whenever you review the, the um, report and then you write your own report, just recommending, you know, that these resources are available or, you know, you just make recommendations based on whatever the, the report says. And so um, at that time I had met Christy Horn, who is a white caseworker. And she, um, I think she'd been doing that for maybe five years and I didn't really know her. I knew she had sat in at the last meeting. And so I sent her an email and I was like, Hey, I have this idea. I just need to know if this is a problem. Like, do you mind if I pick your brain after this meeting? She was like, sure. So after the meeting, we stand off in the corner and I'm like, is this a problem? I start asking her the same questions and she says, yes, this is a problem. We don't have a resource that I know of. And then she told me it from her experience. So where I was coming from the perspective of somebody who knew there was a foster um, caregiver who maybe wasn't as motivated to get this done, um, Christy was coming from the perspective of a caseworker who's been at a Walmart at 10 o'clock at night with an emergency placement saying, what products uh, does your mom use on your hair? Because the child, for whatever reason, can no longer bring their personal belongings with them to their next location. Mm -hmm. So the kid's like, oh, a pink bottle. And Christy's like, okay, a lot of pink bottles, you know? It's like, where do you even start? And she also had heard from foster parents that maybe had the resources or the means to get it done. They just didn't know who to ask or where to go. And especially in today's climate, you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to offend anybody. But at the end of the day, it's about this child. And so... I mean, as the gears are turning in my head, I'm realizing that this needs to be a comprehensive resource. 
you know, it needs to be tailored to who we're helping. So whether that be the caregiver who maybe financially isn't able to provide. So now we have hair care kits. Um, maybe it's a caregiver that has the means to do that, but they just need the education. So now we need to go and educate them with stylists um, or they just need a stylist referral for somebody in their area. But not only do the stylists need to know how to do the hair, they also need to be judgment free. They also need to, you know, be in line with our mission of helping these parents or helping the children uh, by helping these caregivers. And so um, I went to work that day. Um, I Googled business plans. And <laughs> A lot I, of things come up. Yes. I've done the same thing. And I think it was actually like in Word, how you can find templates. Yeah. Oh, yes, they do. Have, yes. So I did that. like business plan template and I just got to work on like all the stuff that was in my head that I'd found out from researching, you know, what needed to be done. And then uh, Doug Sirocco, um, he's with Dunlap Cotting. I took it into his office and I was like, Doug, I have this idea. I think it's really important. And he was like, okay, sounds great. And he gave me everything I needed to start it. Wow. Yeah. That's so amazing. It is. And we got to do our board meetings there, like obviously free. And he was just a really big support. Everybody in that office really was really supportive. Anything I needed, any advice I needed along the way. Because um, it's not an easy path doing this. I thought yeah. it would be, okay, all butterflies and rainbows because you're trying to help. Um, but the many kind of pitfalls that are there, I mean, all the attorneys were so kind and offering their advice and, you know, a listening ear. And so that's definitely a big reason why the Hair Initiative is where it is now. Is the, is the root of the problem that there is a disproportionate amount of black children who are in foster care and and white families who take them in is there there is that there aren't enough black foster parents to pay, place black children with black families or is that not See, even relevant what and even I'm I guess if, really you have a, sure. if you have a black family that the foster child is placed with, they may mm -hmm. also not have the financial resources. You may come across the exact same problems. Right. And I'm not sure because I, whenever I sort of researched the data, I couldn't find like how many white foster parents there were. They don't keep track of it that way. And maybe. I couldn't, I'm sure maybe like at the, excuse me, at the upper levels, like there might be a place where that data is on the accessible stuff I found on their website. Um, I didn't find that. I did find that there were, you know, I don't have the exact figures on my brain right now, but I know of almost 10,000 children in foster care. In Oklahoma? In Oklahoma. Like over, for sure, over 9,000. Um, venturing on the verge of 10,000. Um, wow. I didn't realize there was yeah, that many. I didn't either. That over half of those children are children of color. And then okay. when you break those numbers down, um, over half of those children are actually indigenous children. Oh. And then, but again, these numbers are from like 2017. So I'm not sure what it is now. But when I was sort of looking into all the numbers, like, does this make sense? Is this really a problem? Am I just internalizing it because I feel so badly yeah. for this little girl? And when you see the picture, you can say, okay, this is a hygiene problem. And then you meet her. And like, here's like a seven year old girl that has been moved from placement to placement. Here, her siblings' hair is getting done. Because it's quote unquote easier, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and here's, you know, and at that age, you're trying to kind of yeah. figure yourself out. And so meeting her, like you could just tell it was affecting her, you know, um, couldn't look you in the eye. Uh, just really, really shy, super smart, bookworm, super athletic, 
you know, and I, so I go to the foster home. So now I've known all this and I'm pretty sure a lot of this was done prior to me even meeting her. <laughs> um, this just, it, I don't know, something inside of me was just like, this is wrong. Like, why is there not a fix for this? Right. And so I go meet them at their foster home. And this unfortunately was a case where it was not a great foster home. Oh. Um, like bath day, like they're done expectation of there being a bath every day. Yeah. Um, and I go into their closet or I go into their room and then there's their closet and their little bunk beds are over here and the closet doors open and there are two trash bags in there. And I'm like, what are these? And the middle child them. said, that's where our clothes are. Aww. I said, well, why are they still in there? And then she said, you know, mama, whoever um, said that we're not going to be here for long. So we didn't need to unpack them. Oh, so sad. It's so sad. And foster kids oftentimes move more than once. Mm -hmm. And so we knew that whenever we made these hair care kits and everything in them needed to be dignified. So we knew that their bags had to zip closed mm -hmm. because so who knows? Take it with them. Yeah. Who knows what they're going to be moving in? Mm -hmm. And I didn't want, you know, if you go on vacation, you don't want your stuff to spill. Mm -hmm. And so we knew from the start that every kit we gave out needed to have quality products and tools. So I kind of do a test on a lot of the products we get, especially because, you know, Dollar Tree has some good stuff. And so I would like test it on my hair before I would donate it. Um, obviously a different one than I used on my hair, but um, <laughs> just to make sure that it would be able to get through my hair. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So just again, learning more about what these children in care face um, has propelled um, our mission and kind of where our heart is on this. Um, in a dramatic way. So um, we, we try to think about it each, each way. Oh, sorry. No. I just seeing oh. how, you know, passionate you are and all of this, it just, it just makes, it moves me to realize that this is a much bigger issue than mm -hmm. anybody could have ever imagined. And I'm sure that once, that girl, you took her and got her hair done. I can't imagine the type of little girl she was after that. Oh, even better. Her So after that, they were moved into a biracial foster family, um, an African-American dad and a white mom. And as soon as she got into that home, his sisters took care of her hair. <gasps> so when I go back the next month, I'm sitting in the kitchen with her mom and... Uh, she has little box braids now and she has a little color in them. And I'm telling you, she was looking me in the eyes. She grabbed my hand, like, let's go play basketball. Like you could just tell that it made a difference. You yeah. Know? Her confidence. It's more than it's, it's, it's more, more than, than hair. hair. It's, it's so much more than that. It I is. believe that though. It's like, that's like such a human, like an inner instinct of all people. It's like when you feel your best and you look your best, like you're mm -hmm. going to be your best sometimes, you know what I mean? And exactly. especially for children. Exactly. I mean, Oh, and the the t the the feeling that you get when somebody's do you guys feel this way when you're getting your hair done yeah. and someone's touching your head mm -hmm. and they're standing right next to you you feel sort of this closeness with that person I mean yes. I really and then the community yeah. of you're sitting there and you're talking to your hairdresser and then there's somebody else waiting and you're talking to that person and I mean just that sort of feeling of being in the salon and in that community I think is is important. I mean, it is. And I think as adults, we can definitely say that. So why would we think that's going to be any different right. for, for children that are, you know, and Christy does such a great job articulating this because she's been in the field, but you know, these kids are removed from everything they know 
through no fault of their own. Right. And here they are in a new home and a new school with people that don't look like them. And they know that, you know, and then the least we could do is help them get their help hair them done. Feel better. Yeah. About. And so from there, um, Christy and I got together um, and a couple other people. And we, so that was in January, February. Of 2018. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then we had a roundtable discussion with stylists in the community trying to figure out how we can make this resource attractive to them so that they'd want to partner with us and become a um, you know a network stylist. Um, and then I believe we incorporated in March. And then we pretty much hit the ground running. Angels, uh, Jennifer Abney of Angels, she allowed us to have our first workshop there with her families. She was so great and such a mentor to us in all of this. And I mean, I think our third workshop, we were in Tulsa. Already? So yeah, in 2019 alone, Christy, myself, and our stylist at the time traveled over 1,500 miles across the state of Oklahoma, giving out our hair care kits, doing educational workshops, and referring children to different areas. Did you go through the DHS offices in those counties to get connected to these people? How do you find the people? Is it just through CASA? How does it? It was just through word of mouth. Wow. So as you could tell, spread that quickly. That's how, that's how much the need was. Yes. We were basically triaging. (laughs) Like we had basically no money. Like Christie's funding it. I'm funding it. Our parents are helping us. Um, we had a fundraiser event, I think in November of that year. Um, but Christie being in the field, you know, was telling people like, Hey, we could do an education workshop for you guys. And they were taking us up on it. (laughs) So before we knew it, this it exploded. And at the time, um, I was working as a legal assistant at Dunlop Cotting. I was waitressing part-time. I was doing CASA and the PAR oh board. <laughs> and here we are, like one one it's week we had six training. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We were making it work because we saw whenever we went to especially rural areas, you know, how important these conversations are. Yeah. And we like to say we create a safe space for parents to talk about stuff and for them to ask their questions. And oftentimes we're facilitating conversations much larger than hair. What are the yeah. questions you would get asked most often? Um, other than like not other related to hair. hair questions. What would, what, the, what are, um, were the, so these are white parents asking about their, yes. the black children. And so I'm sure like a lot of, like I'm speaking for myself as a white mm-hmm. person, I don't want to ever offend, but I mm-hmm. do want to educate. And so it is hard. I, I'm sure these parents were like, I'm not trying to offend, but I want to ask yeah. certain questions. I make, and yeah. I think that's amazing that you guys created that safe space because it it is hard. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, it, it is hard when you you think something and you're like, wow, I, am I allowed to say this out loud? Mm-hmm. And I think it's good that I'm questioning myself, but also that is good that you created a safe space. Yeah. So for instance, we were in Chandler, Oklahoma, um, in the basement of a church. And um, interestingly enough, a lot of the people that were there were actually dads. Traditionally, it's more, uh, we have more females there. Um, But this dad was like, we have a products and tools time where they get to touch and smell and ask questions about different items. And so anytime we bring a do-rag out, the parents are always like, okay, I see what this is, but how do I tie it on my kid? So we'll show them. And like sometimes the dads will volunteer as like a model. Um, and after we did that, this dad's sitting there in the front row and he's like, I have a question. He's like, this has been weighing on me for years. Um, I have a son, African-American son. He's seven years old. How do I talk to him about do-rags? He's like, because I know where we live and I know the um, 
stereotypes surrounding it. Mm -hmm. I don't want him to feel a way about it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So that was a conversation that we had. Um, And one of the women from the National Resource Center who invited us there to do the workshop, she, you know, answered the question for him. And he, after the workshop was over, he said, I feel so relieved. I have not felt comfortable or able to ask somebody that question. So thank you guys for taking the time to answer it you know, in a kind way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even small little things like that matter. So Christy and I know whenever we get a call, I think we've been to Ardmore, Chandler, a couple more rural communities in Tulsa, um, that these are really important conversations that everybody I think wants to be a part of and wants to have. They're just scared. And so us breaking the ice, yeah, I think is is good. And, you know, I've obviously I'm a biracial woman and I've always kind of been in this middle area when it comes to race. And so I'm finally able to like stand more confidently in that middle area and help bridge the gap. And I've always said, that's what the hair initiative is doing. We're bridging the gap between these two communities. And I think that starts with conversation. And I think sometimes the easiest way to start those conversations is through hair. Um, And so although we're rooted in like the foster and adoptive communities, um, we also realize pretty immediately as well that there is need for this outside of just those two communities. Christy was um, approached by a judge in the juvenile uh, courtroom, uh, and he just said, hey, there's an issue with hair in the juvenile detention center. I know you guys are doing hair stuff. Like, is there any way you could help? And of course, we couldn't say no. no. (laughs) You know, you don't, you can't become aware of things. One more thing on. Exactly. Um, I don't know. Just when you find out about something that's like, if this can be solved with matching them with a stylist or giving them a shampoo, like, why not do that? And so we had a meeting with the um, people in charge there. And uh, we said, listen, we understand that the boys have opportunity every other Monday, I think it was, um, if they meet certain protocol, that they get a chance for a haircut. And so we're asking that if you make a program at least equal to that for the girls, we will help facilitate it. Oh. And they were like, okay. So they brought out this cardboard box um, that had what the girls were currently using. And um, you remember like on picture day? Yeah, those combs. Those combs. The black combs? Yes. No. So like those were the combs. Like that literally there. if you brush, if I brush my hair with it, it'd break in I was going to say, yeah, I think I yeah. could use it on my eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> literally. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So um, we sat down and we kind of went through the items and we said, okay, we can for sure get you some more diverse or some more inclusive shampoos and conditioners. Um, but let's also talk about brought like bigger picture donations to all the kids. So they all have dignified hair products and tools. One of the first things they asked for were shower caps, which are super inexpensive. But I guess whenever the girls finally get their hair the way they want it to be, they get in the shower room or wherever they shower and it just, you know, gets messed up. So we donate um, detangling brushes that fit their protocol. Like they can't have handles or things like that. The shower caps and sleeping bonnets have to have really thin um, lining and elastic. Um, Lamore's Beauty Supply on 23rd and MLK. Thanks to him, we were able to donate. I mean, the boys, there are more boys there than girls. So we're able to donate four brushes, uh, do-rag, shower caps, sleeping bonnets, everything for the children down there. Um, So we got that going. We also brought in a stylist to do education for the girls on how to care for their own hair. And they really liked that. And then before COVID, we had a stylist go in and do low maintenance hairstyles for the girls. And again, if they meet the protocol of the facility. Um, and they said that was 
that was great too. And so again, every child deserves the dignity of a good hair day. We realized that um, there was like this recurring issue. There was an access problem. And so our initial mission statement um, pertained to foster children and children of color. And so we sort of broadened our mission statement recently to just say that we are a comprehensive, diversity-conscious hair resource for youth and their caregivers. Because now what we know is that caregiver can mean many things. Right. It can mean foster adoptive, but also we know it could be a staff member Mm -hmm. at the facility, at a group home, you know, at a a long-term healthcare facility or a hospital. And we know it could be a teacher at a school or somebody at an after-school care program. Yeah, I was thinking of Boys and Girls Club. Well, we have something with them. Oh, you do? Yes. We actually just launched last week um, an eight-week braiding course. And it's going to end in a hair show. I believe it's April 22nd. Cute. Yes, yes. So Larissa, because I volunteered Mm -hmm. there with her. Yeah, Emma and I were on the Boys and Girls Club. uh, Mm -hmm. What was it? The Young Professionals Board, I think? Yeah, it has like a junior committee. Yeah, yeah, something, something. Yeah, it was so fun. Yeah, so oh, my dad was teaching pretty, the kids how to braid. Yes. So oh, our stylist. So yeah, it is not me or Christy. We have licensed professional stylists uh, that go in and do these services for us. And our initial kind of business plan was to have that be volunteer based. But we yeah. know now because of COVID that a lot of they those industries too. were hit hard. So we do pay them to go in there and do those services for us. And so they're really excited. The last class went great. So well, I can, I'm weeks. sitting here thinking about like nationally. Little, well, I'm thinking about that. Yeah, and if I'm there's like, anyone well, else this doing is... this, but also there might be a little girl, a little boy out there who gets inspired by the stylist that comes to help them. And, and maybe they, they can see yeah. a career path. They exactly. can see themselves doing this. They can see another grown adult with a, with a career that supports them yes. and a family. And, and I just, and, and it's yeah. creative. And so, I mean, yeah. I can. So they are doing career programming actually with that. So our instructor, her name is Tracy Singer of Coif Salon. And we also have Rashonda Coleman of Anointed Hand Salon, both in Edmond. And Tracy as actually a full-time instructor at Paul Mitchell Hair School. So she's going to show the children, like, you can make this a job. um, And hopefully, you know, maybe talk about some scholarship opportunities as well. So, but so is there anybody doing what y'all do nationally? Like, have you, have you come across this? Whenever I first had this idea, I thought surely, like surely this has to be somewhere. Yes. There are groups doing education. There are groups helping with stylists. Um, So I guess our initial mission, there were other people doing it. I would like to think not in the same way that we were approaching it. Um, But as it's broadened and as we're helping children, you know, at an inpatient facility, St. Anthony's. Yeah. Um, got a call from a girl at OU. She's starting a resource center there for parents and children. So we're going to donate kits to them as well. So I don't know that there's groups doing that in wow. terms of other organizations and other facilities, ensuring that there are diverse hair products and tools for all the people that use their facility. Is it still just you and Christy? Or have you been able to, how do you yes. fundraise? So many, do you have any employees? Yes. So What's, this year was exciting. So we've had board members. We have to, you have to have board members for a nonprofit. Yes. Um, but we don't have any more employees. So we just have our two stylists. Those are the only people that get paid. So Christy and I don't, we just okay. work our full-time jobs. Um, we have great board members, active board members. We've added a couple more recently that we're really excited about. Um, but I mean, fundraising, we had a really big event. I say really big or only event uh, in November, I think of 2019. And then just people donating. Um, I haven't done that good of a job 
of being bold and telling people about this organization. Um, like I'm an, I'm an assistant for a living. Right. And so it's a very weird, I don't know if the word is juxtaposition to go from like before I got here, taking direction all day and, you know, doing all these tasks for other people. And then I have to put on a different hat and then go on and like, you know, kind of lead my team into what we're doing for the hair initiative stuff. And so I don't think I've given myself enough credit maybe, or, um, been bold and really, you know, spreading our mission. I was really nervous. I texted Sarah. I was like, Sarah, how do I get on Emmy's podcast? <laughs> I was like, I'm so nervous. She was like, just ask her. I was like, that's so I'm funny nervous. because we, Emmy already said she wanted to have you on probably before you even texted Sarah. I think so. Probably. Great. Yeah. I, mean, I think she was, you were well, on I our- just think like, like, as you're telling me this stuff, I'm like, this should be in every detention center, yes. every foster yes. care system. Mm-hmm. Like, like this I don't, this is not just an Oklahoma problem. Right. It is, this is a national problem, possibly mm-hmm. even more. You know what I mean? Yes. And so the fact that you've created this, I'm like, I just think it's a, the fact that you're like, you know, you're one of my friends and you've done this. I'm so proud of you. But Thank also you. it's like this mission is so, I don't know. I think th- I love, I mean, anything with children, anything with confidence, anything with education, like all of those things. I mean, I just feel like now that I have kids, I've learned that how important, you know, raising these kids in a certain way with certain confidence, certain health care, certain hygiene, like mm-hmm. that affects the adults they become. And this yep. will greatly affect our healthcare systems, you know, our incarceration, things like this, like are directly affected by how people grow up. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you were helping these kids, I'm like, I'm sold. Like, well, and how you talk about incarceration. So I actually got an email today um, from uh, the a facilitator um, at the juvenile detention center. And she was thanking us for what we've done for them. We're going to have a more robust partnership, more consistent partnership with them this year. And she said, you know, on your website, it says every child deserves the dignity of a good hair day. And she said, that is exactly what you guys have done for the girls down here. And you don't know what that will do for a child knowing, okay, I'm cared about these basic needs are being met. So then what they can then go ahead and concentrate on. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Like their added, their attitude, their Mm -hmm. mindset. I mean, like I'm sure mentally. Oh yes. Like you guys, even though it's like you're in the physical health kind of sector, I mean, you're really in the mental health sector. Well, so our partnership, so we've donated some products and tools to St. Anthony's, their inpatient facility for youth. And we were talking to the um, managing nurse there. She's African-American woman. And she was saying how she had to go in and be like, okay, we need some money for some hair products (laughs) for some of these other children that are in here because the stuff that we have isn't working. And she said, hair dictates behavior in here. Wow. Yeah. So at all these- all the kids? Yeah. For all the kids. So that's why we say diversity conscious. Obviously, we're not going to roll up in there with, you know, stuff for some kids and not for other kids. Right. So, but we do know that there's a real disparity in specifically African-American hair products. Um, that's what I saw your hair kit and I was like, that's really cool. I, yes, I mean, I would I like know. as a seven year old, I would have wanted oh that. My God, like, my kids exactly. it's really cool. with that. They're yeah. very robust and we really try to make sure that they have everything that they need in there. Something else we've realized, especially as we travel to rural communities is that there is a real, um, issue with the stores where they're located having enough hair products, enough African-American hair products. Is it, so, I feel like I see a lot of dollar generals in small towns. I'm trying to think yes, about. There's Walmarts. I think there's, everyone kind of lives somewhere within a, you know, 
30, 50, 40 mile radius yeah. of a Walmart probably. And I know that Target probably does a better job of this, but if you go into a Walmart or a Walgreens um, and you go to the travel section, oh, um, you're not going to see African-American hair products in there. Um, I saw some when I was in Colorado, like their Target, but... Um, so what happens is when a parent, especially foster adoptive parent, uh, gets children in their home, they go to Walmart and they're like, okay, I'm going to get a shampoo, a conditioner, or a brush. And then they go in there and either there's a very small uh, group of items they can pick from um, or it's such a financial burden because right. you can't get smaller sizes. Right. So whereas maybe this is a temporary situation. Um, you're not going to walk out of there spending $50. You know, you need a shampoo, a conditioner, a styling cream or two, and you need a brush. Uh, Christy and I, we had a workshop in Tulsa and um, it was on like a Thursday. And so she was like, I will just go and buy the products we need when I get to Tulsa tonight. And then you don't have to worry about log like lugging them up here. So I was like, okay. She had to drive to multiple different stores in wow. Tulsa and just Tulsa? to find brushes and uh, the basic items that we have in there. They're shower caps, the sleeping bonnets, child-sized sleeping bonnets. This is an opportunity to go to Walmart, to go to Walgreens, yeah. to go to the corporate offices and say, mm -hmm. do, do better. Not, do better. You're not representing your customers. Mm -hmm. And the first two emails I got when this was still just an idea, again, we were triaging. Um, I had a, a, I believe it was a CASA supervisor, email me and say, hey, we have two girls in Muskogee. Um, the foster parents put a relaxer on their hair and now they have chemical burns on their scalp. Oh no. Is do you have somewhere in that they could go? So again, by not having, you know, a variety dangerous. of prices, you know, for these products, parents are choosing the easier option, which is I'm gonna straighten it so I can control it. Um, and that is harmful to the child. At our workshops, we teach a kind of against that, unless you're a professional, um, against chemically altering a child's hair. Just because it is dangerous. Oh my gosh. Um, so again, having a shampoo and a conditioner and a detangling brush, right. like that alone can, you know, even save that from being an issue. So in our hair care kits, we do do that. So tell me what's in the kit. So our kits have for the girls or longer hair types, um, there is a detangling brush, a sleeping bonnet, a shower cap, um, a shower comb. We have different types of rubber bands. Um, we have hair products. And some product samples um, and hair clips. So in our workshop, we teach about detangling. And so you have to section the hair out. So we provide the banana clips for that. Um, and I think that's it for the girls. And then the boys, we have do-rags, uh, boar brushes, a pick or another kind of comb, uh, hair products. Um, and that's it. But they're in these really nice they, bags that zip completely closed. They're frosted. Um, they're gender neutral and they're waterproof. So. How long will the products that are in the bag last? So obviously the brush will last a while and the yes. clips and the, and the shower cap, but how long do the products last? Um, so right now we, a lot of the products that are in our kits that we currently have, those are one ounce bottles. Um, and those are supplied from Le Lemoore's beauty supply store. We are in talks right now with um, a manufacturer out of Lawton and actually get my samples hopefully tomorrow, the next day oh of our own hair care products that will come in two ounce bottles. So we're hoping that that will last for a couple washes with highly textured hair. You don't need to wash your hair every day. Um, and depending on your hairstyle, maybe not even every couple weeks. Um, and so it should last them a good while is what our hope is and that it can at least get them to the next step 
uh, whatever that is, finding a hairstylist or um, maybe being able to afford, you know, some basic hair products for them. How much does it cost for one kit? One kit for the girls is $15 and for the boys, it's about eight. That's actually way Wait, I was going to say less that is expensive than, than I, I was thinking. Yeah. So for a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. you could do six, seven, basically seven hair kits for girls and however many for boys. <laughs> Someone do the math yeah. for me. 12, please. 12, 14. So I mean, wow. Th- it's, that's pretty unbelievable. I mean, yeah. I'm amazed that you've gotten the price well, to that. You probably have people donating some things that go in there. Lamore's hair care. Lamore's, yeah. So they've actually um, we've been sourcing a lot of supply. Yes, mm-hmm. we've been able to source a lot of things from there. We still pay for it, but like the detangling brushes are the most expensive thing. And you can ask my board members when I used to be part of the board how passionate I was about us having detangling brushes, and they're expensive, especially at the time we weren't buying them at wholesale costs. Like right. we're buying them. Eight yeah. to ten dollars a brush, yeah. and so, and the food was, bank doesn't carry things like this. Like I'm trying to think about where yeah. else you can get. So Emmy and I are really involved in infant crisis services, and and I've been on the board for a long time. And mm-hmm. Emmy does chairs the boots and ball <laughs> gowns, and she. But we so we have this for the longer. You know, we do food formula and diapers. Mm-hmm. These are things that we purchase, and then everything else, the clothes blankets, that kind of thing will get donated by the community. But mm-hmm. people will say, well, why don't you just go to, you know, Nestle and see if they'll donate the formula. Doesn't happen. We have, yeah. we buy all the diapers and all the formula from Buy for Less or uh, oh, wow. Costco or Sam's or, I mean, so we, we do not buy at wholesale and it really is just how much can you buy? It's all about mm-hmm. the bulk purchase. Yeah. And so I know that as you are able to raise more money and give more kits out, you can probably even get the price and that's lower. Our, that's our goal. We have a fundraiser uh, coming up called The Power of a Brush. So whenever you purchase the Hair Initiative brush, you're actually in turn um, supplying us with money so that we can go and buy more hair care kits um, and gain enough capital so that we can actually go to like the wholesalers and buy in bulk. Right. Where is someone going to be able to buy the the brush for the power brush? So on our website, our new website is launching. um, Hopefully in the next couple of days, there's a couple other things we need to fine tune on there, but it'll be available on our website. They're $20 and that includes shipping. And with that purchase, um, yeah, you're helping us provide dignified products and tools uh, to children that otherwise wouldn't have it. And could yeah. you, could your stylists that have shops, could they sell it in their yes, shops? Yes. And any could, stylist who wants to, style, or any okay. local retailer who wants to partner with us, we will do like our own wholesale pricing for them to carry um, our brushes in their store. So we could carry my Greta Sloan. Yes, you definitely oh, could. Yeah. That would be really yes. cool. I would love that. Yeah. Yes. I would love to do that. That would be great. Yep. Because we could raise awareness, but also yes. you know, raise some funds because we're doing some important stuff. We donated to Sisu, which is a youth homeless shelter. Oh. Um, and so they needed some items. So we donated uh, diverse uh, shampoos and conditioners for the boys and girls. And then we did our regular hair care kits. And when our board member dropped it off, she said that the woman running the facility said that the boys are so excited about the Durex. Oh, you know, there's those simple yeah. little things that you wouldn't really think of, but you know, we like to say, you know, when people think about hair, they think about vanity. And when we think about hair, we think about hygiene at the and base I was level and say hygiene. And then at the, you know, that's at the base level, but then at the human level, it's about dignity. Yeah. And I think we all deserve to have access to things 
that are basic, basic hygienic um, items. So I agree. Well, so 10 years from now, like, oh, where do you see the hair initiative? I can see. Yeah. I see, like, nationwide. I, see nationwide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see Emma running the entire thing. Oh, my gosh. Just, by the way, you speak like a CEO. You really do. So oh, just, I do? Yes. Oh, I mean, you are passionate. I mean, we're CEO, so we would know. But. Yeah, clearly. We're big-time CEO over here at Action City. But, yeah. but you really do. You're passionate. You're articulate. You cl- clearly state the mission. I mean, you uh, you're I just feel like, too, I, I like... I don't know. I feel like I feel, (laughs) I feel the vibe of the burden of having a black child and being a white person and having that child in your care. I feel the burden of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. I feel it being like released Mm -hmm. through you all Mm -hmm. somehow. I'm wanting Mm -hmm. to. And yeah. And I think that obviously as a foster parent, you know, you're wanting the best for this child. I mean, it sounds like majority of the cases. So being able to have you guys as a resource to just ask those questions that are a little bit uncomfortable and, help the child's confidence. I mean, yeah. I just, I, even with my own children, when they feel good, you can tell. And yes. it's like, yes. it makes everybody happy and it lightens the mood and good things happen. I don't know. So, yeah. and our stylists that we've worked with have said that they're like, you know, we will do hair for like a three-year-old and like their whole attitude will change like as soon as that appointment's over. And so again, like it's not just something reserved for adults to feel confidence, you know, right. the children deserve that too. So So do you see your 10-year goal the way Emmy and I see it? What's the... I do. I mean, I do. That just like makes me feel really like even nervous. Like I'm, I don't know. I need to probably give myself more credit on like the work that we've done. Um, But I think think definitely. I think you do for sure. You need to (laughs) give yourself a lot of credit. I think definitely if this is my job one day, I would love that. I think it's a national need. Um, We're working with some really um, exciting uh, state agencies. Oh, good. On right. helping make Oklahoma on a larger national scale look better in terms and of think about it. This started right here in our city. I mean, something that yeah. Is and I don't think it unique. could have happened without of all the connections I've had in Oklahoma City. Right. Like without you know Dunlap Cotting, without um, being a cap at OSU. You're, so without s- your sister, right? Yeah. And now my sister, full circle, she is an advocate supervisor. In one of my last hearings before uh, COVID, she actually had to be my advocate supervisor because mine was gone. Oh. So she was <laughs> helping me, like whispering stuff in my ear as I was standing um, at the bench. But um, I think there, in so many ways that this couldn't have happened anywhere but here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I all agree. the connections mm-hmm. that we've that I've made and all the people that I've met. Um, it, it's weird to kind of take a step back and see how everything's kind of coming together and that's all falling in line. And that's been really cool to see. So, oh my gosh. We're we, so proud of you. Yeah. I love this story. Seriously. Well, we Thanks. have our final question. It's a fun one. Okay. It's a fun um, one. So do you, Catherine, this is really your question. So you should do it. <laughs> okay. So a friend from out of town is coming to visit. Mm-hmm. They sort of spring a weekend on you. Okay. They're, let's assume they're flying into Will Rogers World Airport. (laughs) You pick them up at the airport. Okay. You have the whole day to do whatever you want. There's no pandemic. There's nothing holding you back. Money is not an object. Money is not an object. You take them to do all your favorite things in Oklahoma City. Where do you take them? Okay. I would take them to Revolution to get a cannonball. Margarita. Oh, like, okay. Don't All right. say it. I could literally go from here to there immediately. So I good. could too. <laughs> uh, oh my then gosh. going to get our nails done at Milk Nail Studio. Wait, stop. Where's that? It's on 13th and Broadway. Yes. Incredible creative women in there doing nails. 
Well, you. you what are your go. nails right? Are they? Do they do them? Amazing. Yeah, they're, they're like, like a, I just a little, step up the nails. Oh, tortoise shell. Okay. Yeah, I, think I need glasses. I could really. Like they do print. great. They they're cool. Milk Super at Thirteenth cool. and Broadway. Yes. God, oh, that's so um, excited. We've got to go. I mean, okay. Then we're gonna go walk around Sister Tail Park. So cool. All After of our a parks. cannonball, you might be yeah. swaying. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but I do true. like how she went, picked her up in the morning and went straight it's for the cannonball. For, like yeah. that was like the yeah. first oh, stop. Oh, morning. Oh, I no no no. We like it. This is a fun day. Um, and then we kind of just chill for a little bit. Um, and then we go to Gray Sweater. Okay. okay. I have yet? not been, but Annette, who works the shop, goes and loves it. And my mom went the other day and said it was really unbelievable. I haven't been to Gray Sweater. I've been to Black Walnut. It's I have an not experience. Been to- yeah, that's what I've heard. It is awesome. I went there for my birthday with my parents and it was phenomenal. Chef really? Black was amazing. Everything just felt really, you felt really important when you he were there. He was doing some special dinner, I think, that I saw in 405 Magazine that was like a special night with Chef Black where he was going to you were going to get to watch him cook it and it sold out like going like well you minutes. kind of do whenever if you sit like at the counter then you, you can, can see, see them prepare it, all. it that's fun yeah it's it's unique experience Wait, i'm surprised of you being the foodie you are you, do you like you, that label foodie by the way yeah i'm totally fine okay okay, okay. With that. You, you don't understand though who i live with oh right, i'm right. married to the opposite of a foodie oh, i'm really? married to a 14 year old boy who literally <laughs> wants to eat tacos and <laughs> like a hot dog hamburgers every day. So, I mean, oh, that's I funny to tell you <laughs> but anytime you guys want to go i'll go oh, wait perfect. okay so you gray go to sweater. gray sweater drinks after anywhere yeah i would say the study that's Ooh, in Film Row. Yeah. It's like that little wine place. I've been there a couple of times. I really like the vibe in there. Okay. Oh, it's yeah. on Film Row, like down the street mm-hmm. from the Jones? Mm-hmm. Uh, is well, that Film Row? It's on the Paramount sh- building. Oh, where the little movie theater is? Isn't mm-hmm. there a movie? Is it now the study, though, is the movie theater? There used to... It Wasn't there a movie in that build, a movie there theater was. building? There was. I thought that was a long time ago. I, but I know I off to the right. they kind of like revamped it and you could go rent it out for things. I could be wrong, but okay. The study, I'm learning so many new things. So I would say that I think that I love this day. That's a great day. Conclusion of the day. Who's with you on this? Who's your, oh, friends that live out of town or just. No, no. Well, it's a friend from out of town. They don't know anything about this city. Um, I don't know. I have, I kind of have a lot of really good friends that I could kind of. Yeah, you got to get a fun one. Well, so where can people find the Hair Initiative? Where can they donate? You said your new website. Yes, um, our new website is being done by Slant Marketing, but that will be launching hopefully this week. Um, So it'll be thehairinitiative.org. And then we are also on Facebook, uh, the Hair Initiative, and on Instagram, the underscore hair underscore initiative. And if somebody wants to like, can do you take volunteers? We do. Right now, since our board's kind of growing, we're trying to sort of adjust like our volunteer thing because mm-hmm. a lot of it has just been board or Christy and myself. And so, yes, if you're interested in volunteering, let us know. It'll probably be stuffing hair care kits. Hey, um, let me tell you, my kids can stuff hair care kits. They're really good at that. Yeah. Okay, good. Because so, we will have a lot. You call me when you need some stuffing and we'll be over. I will. So yeah. So any volunteers, there's um, our website's going to be super interactive. So based on what people want to do and what, um, Kind of where they see themselves fitting into helping, yeah, they'll be able to. A lot of different, there are a lot of different facets, right? I'm realizing, are. which mm-hmm. is like amazing. I mean, that's so fun that depending on what skill you have, you know, you can kind of help out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe if you're an events person, you can help them plan. Yes, a- we would love to do an event this summer. Once we get this fundraiser, like the the brush fundraiser done, we're hoping to do one in like the fall, summer, fall time. Okay, so 
Perfect. That's great. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, talk with you guys. Yeah, I'm so glad awesome. that we connected and that Me too. I arrived this evening. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate your listening to these stories. You can find us on Instagram at ActionCityOKC or for business inquiries, email us at hello at actioncityokc.com. Action City is produced by Blackened Studios. You can find the studio on Instagram and Facebook at Blackened Studios. Creative services provided by Ranger Creative. Music written and performed by Kansas City Bankroll. Bankroll.